0: real homie. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm funny. laughs>
1: least get one do you in there that is the latest from spoon called do you i love that song well good day ladies gentlemen and kind folk you are tuning in to another episode of jackman radio i am your brave and fearless host mr eric jackman and i'm your other host mike jackman and also joining us back in the ussr aaron lafond aaron how are you good good
2: thank you for having me
1: yeah you had a kind of a little bit of a like a, a loose cameo the last episode yeah, it's a return to form well, i'm always
2: i'm always happy to sit in the back seat actually you know out of sight out of mind
1: well not out of our minds no or, or of our course hearts not. yeah the last two episodes we had two in-studio interviews which uh i felt went swimmingly episode three of course we had author robert huckins episode four we had filmmaker dylan avery And tonight, it's the three of us coming at you from the base of Mount Monadnock in Jaffrey, New Hampshire for Jackman Radio. And we have a special call-in guest from the band When in Rome, Clive Farrington. We'll be getting to that in just a little bit, but uh, Eric wanted to kick things off by uh, talking about some uh, timely events. Yeah, all kinds of great stuff going on. Thanks, Mike. uh, It came to my attention today. I was just trolling Google, and uh, I saw something called Sharenting, which I had never heard of. And I like when... Words are put together, I believe that's called a poor man too. <laughs> Pormanchu? Pormanchu? I don't know how it's pronounced. And it's basically uh, the notion of oversharing and parenting put together, sharenting. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, we know about helicopter moms and helicopter parents, you know, they can't let Junior go take a dump without mom being there monitoring it, making sure in the dump's the right color and the right consistency. So now these people are monitoring the dumps and they're taking pictures of it? Exactly. They're taking pictures of the dumps and then putting them on Facebook and sharing them because we all want to see Junior's shit literally <laughs> and you know I, this, this uh it struck a chord of me man it's basically um you know uh, think about even people our age we're we're 28 aaron you're 28 right 27 just turned um, 22
2: two? actually just oh, turned nuts. 22.
1: Yeah. oh my god how old are you baby 20, 22 lady boy. oh my god is oh that thing god. is that thing real and um, even thinking about our peers who are having children, you know, and I'm, I'm not knocking my, my friends or my peers because obviously, or family, I, we have or, plenty of family oh, plenty that of has family beautiful who children. Have beautiful children that I love seeing when I go to see them. But but putting an image up of every day of that kid's life, um, you can't help but wonder if there's going to be some unintended consequences down the road. Because think about it: from day one, we're seeing these human beings being born in the hospital. And then every achievement, every pinnacle, Mm. every milestone, you know, I mean, that's like an image this kid has to live up to now that's already being set up without his or her consent. How's he going to have friends? Because they already saw it on Facebook before he even knew there was a Facebook. (laughs) And uh, I was saying to Aaron earlier about this, it's almost like someone's trying to, you know, make the sequel to uh, Boyhood, you know, (laughs) like the Facebook version. Right. You know, which uh, Linklater, uh, Richard Linklater made that film uh, and he shot over the course of 12 years. Uh, the same two kids, uh, Ethan Hawke and uh, Patricia yeah, Arquette. Between Ethan Hawke making shitty movies and then making good movies. Yeah,
3: but and, yeah, uh, no,
1: I, I agree, man. I think um, you know it's a little bit oversaturated. People, you know, get this—there's mean, there's fatigue. I mean, Aaron, it's an instant unfollow, right? When you see like a baptism or like a fucking oh, yeah. birthday party yeah. or a fucking, yeah. you know, little little, uh, you know. Little fucking Kelsey I mean, today lost
2: her first tooth, yeah. and the it's,
1: tooth fairy's coming, you know.
2: I mean, I do follow at like sonograms, you know. What I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right, so oh, yeah, thing. you yeah, preempt this, it. This yeah. is
1: from womb to tomb, guys. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah sp- right, shit. exactly. You got images of a little mongoloid it's, in the tomb the in the womb. Kids, you little
2: know? kids, it's it's like I, I, I don't really have a big problem, but like the little like babies and stuff, I just that's just weird, I think, yeah, because like the, the kids so vulnerable and like, right. and, and, and you just instantly just showing... It's just a
1: little amoeba and then all of a sudden it into like a fucking Kardashian It's movie. a Facebook superstar. It's like a celebrity. Right. Yeah, the thing is the kid, obviously the kid has no idea. And you know, the parents have good intentions, you know, no, nobody's knocking the parents, but uh, and when a child is first born, I can understand the excitement. this is a new medium, a new way of sharing these images with family who sure. are far away. But uh, it, you know, every it's gratuitous. Maybe it's, pum- it's, it's getting public, to be a, though, like, maybe if, a little less. If you do a little less of your babies, I'll do a little less of my atheist ranting. Is that yeah. a good, good sounds trade-off? like a deal to me? Yeah, a little less of my political bullshit and nonsense, and a little less of your kids shitting all over the carpet that you just bought, you yeah. know, from from the store. So less of your bullshit and less of literally their shit. Exactly. And, and also, there's this idea of it's uh, digital kidnapping. Uh, the notion of the photos and images. Being appropriated by others using the kids to pass them off as their own. So say you go to like your 10-year reunion and you know that one guy who just could never get laid or find a wife. I want to see my kids. Pulls out his iPhone and it's like, oh wow, these kids are beautiful. They're not even his fucking kids. What the hell? Man, those are my kids. Yeah, he he digitally kidnapped them. (laughs) Not to mention there's people out there who you know are interested in kids in an inappropriate way. You know, yeah, right. who are hacking. Well, it's oh, just like the internet. internet hacking, is... But if it's on a public setting, anyone can look at those, and the man. Internet... You, don't, you don't know who's looking at your kids. That's kind of creepy. Well, the internet that's is true. such
2: a mean place to it begin is. with. Why would it's you nasty. want to put pictures of your children on yeah. there? <laughs> like yeah. in
1: the internet? <laughs> yeah. It's like a pedophile buffet, yeah. you know, open for business. Right. <laughs> oh, that's dark. Yeah. Well, your kids are beautiful, though, no matter who you are. Even if he was born on right. one arm, he's and still life beautiful. Is precious. In God's eyes. Right. Approach, vote pro-life. Sharenting. Sharenting, everyone. You Look right, it up. Check it out. must
2: loved uh, Slacktivism. Have you heard
1: that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Coney yeah. 2012. Coney and all that bullshit. Mm. I got my Coney kit coming in the mail with Make chalk sure and bumper yours. stickers. Did you get your Coney water where did all that money go yeah, that's, in the, that's in the same fucking account off the Cayman Islands with the with the ice bucket challenge money <laughs> I want to yeah. know I want accountability I want to know where all that money went to did Coney well, have to do an ice bucket challenge I love it because no. the dude who started the Coney thing got arrested and then Coney still has not been arrested <laughs> <laughs> He was running around naked from, like, psychosis or something. Oh, I thought we were raising money for Kony. Oh, yeah. Oh, I would have given to That's that. That's why you donated, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe yeah. even the fight up a little bit because, you know, the U.S. military versus a bunch of ragtag warlords in Uganda, they don't stand a chance. Oh, hell. <laughs> Uh, Well, it's uh, a little bit on the domestic side We've had uh, quite the uh, emerging scandal with uh, the Secret Service Oh, yeah I mean, this is something that's been going on, you know, for the last couple years within the Obama administration Certainly the Secret Service has a history of uh, partying They can't keep their pants on There's no secrets when they're getting serviced (laughs) But basically, uh, a couple of Secret Service agents uh, maybe got a little schnockered and you know, where there was some kind of bomb birthday scare... Birthday party? Was it a birthday were party? Were they at a party? A birthday party near the White House? There was something going on. And uh, they, they crashed into a divider, I, I believe. A barricade near the White House. A barricade near the White House. You know? Oh. Unbelievable. You know, be like madmen, You know, save it for, uh, you know, during work. During- not when you're leaving work. <laughs> Do it during work. Sober up. Drive home. Then have another cocktail. It could have been that they were working a Kennedy detail. You know? Yeah. Where well, drinking's mandatory. Right, exactly. Everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone's drinking. That shows but, me though that you can't
2: like. That's how hard it is to get something squashed. Like nowadays, yeah. if like, the Secret Service can't even cover up their own little yeah drunk driving thing. yeah
1: people are better drunk drivers
2: around here. That's cool. why it's just harder and harder to like yeah like make conspiracies now because it's just everything like you know the secret the secret the secret oh, secret Service sure. Service. Whoa! Yeah, they're
1: yeah. listening. Yeah. NSA is listening.
2: Well, yeah, this, I mean, the Secret Service should be able to cover up so their own little foil. you're making the point, yeah, bolt, they can't, you know? if they can't
1: even hide, you know, drinking and driving, how are they going to, like, you know, pull off right. 911? 11? Well, if the mainstream media is not going to cover it, TMZ is going to bust them. Oh, yeah. Or the National Enquirer, who brought down John Edwards and broke right. that whole story mm. with um Hunter. I've never seen that baby before in my life. I have no idea who it is. You I mean, know, like a month later, you that's you know, my he, baby. He could have at least been secretary of something. He's not the VP. Yeah, maybe maybe AG. Yeah, there was talks of Attorney General. Uh, he was gonna throw the towel in and support Obama, but it didn't even matter. So else, uh, uh, you know, elsewhere uh, down near Washington, there is of course the congressman who resigned uh, this week. Yeah, Mr. Aaron Schock from uh, Illinois. Is that where he's from? Yeah. Man, that guy just went down in flames. He was uh, the first. Member of Congress to be born in the 80s. I believe he was born in 1981. Very young guy, very handsome, shredded. He was on the cover of Men's uh, Fitness or Men's Health. With Back his, in 2011. Yeah, with his six-pack out, looking all great, like Doogie Howser. And um, there's definitely rumors that he's gay. Um, I mean, no straight man dresses that well. I don't care who you are or if you're a politician. I mean, he's immaculately dressed. So the crux of this thing and why he resigned was he, he took $40,000 worth of Taxpayer-funded monies and decorated his office with a downtown Abbey theme. Again, he, another telltale sign of homosexuality. Downtown Abbey. I mean, he, had a whole, he had a whole downtown Abbey thing going on, and, and I think he said that he you know, eventually paid back the money. Oh, here we go, downtown Abbey. Congressman Aaron Schock steals a taxpayer's money. A new mystery unfolding at the Capitol. One gay congressman... One racist staffer. Yeah, did you hear about the staffer he had too? Oh yeah, he was. He was t- making posts about uh, calling black people animals and um, saying when the zoo's closed down, all the animals are on his street. Really? Oh. Yeah, dude. This guy's like he's like a. He's wait, like a wait, wait, what's his name? I want to. Um, Aaron Shock is the congressman, and this guy was like a special advisor. He, oh, he was, like, oh, was the advisor that? Yeah, made the yeah. Comments? Well, this happened. Well, he was before. on the payroll too. Yeah, yeah. This happened before Shock resigned and went down. But this, you know, there were allegations at this point. But um forget this he's a nerd looking dude with glasses he was he was like high up in uh, shock's office in dc and he would post pictures from like outside his window up like three or four stories and just make these you know comments that he just thought were so brilliant now this is when he was working for shock but he, he was was, he was an underling right he was a capo what did he think like he would no one was gonna see that politico wasn't going to dig it up for their fucking their big five o'clock story man that just shows you the, the hubris of, of some of these people down there, you know, and the entitlement. They think that they can pretty much get away with anything. And, you know, yeah, it's bad what, what Shock did with the money, but, you know, that's kind of the tip of the iceberg when you're looking well, at the corruption down yeah, there and other example. members of Congress. Yeah. They're making an example out of him. He was a little bit too flamboyant I mean, well, flashy he, with his it. His Instagram account was blowing up too, Aaron, because <laughs> ethics uh, <laughs> groups, no, seriously, used his Instagram to figure out where he was traveling, and they lined up. Travel dates with receipts from his office and selfies and, and selfies of him at like pop stars and country stars, clubs over in England, all kinds of good looking boys, you know, gold, the, yeah, surfing, all kinds you of know. crazy. shit. He was like Indiana Jones, he's running around the world, but also a congressman. Lavish meals, yeah. Your
2: phone is will always get you in trouble, dude.
1: JFK couldn't you know? be president in the age no, of Twitter no. and Facebook, yeah, no, and, and these, these, these phones he had called. The uh, smartphone. Well, I, I call it a retad phone.
2: Oh, he'd be Snapchatting for sure. Oh, well, get he'd get be sending a
1: lobotomy. He'd be sending fucking dick pics to everybody, man. Yeah. <laughs> he bre- You know, this congressman brought home the bacon. He just put it in his pants. He didn't give it to his constituency. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, poor went out for Aaron Shock. We hardly knew ye. You had a promising uh, lifetime in Congress ahead of you, but uh, it fell a little short. What do you think he's going to do next? Maybe I was thinking maybe him and Anthony Weiner yeah, could have a reality, reality show. show. That'd be pretty cool. Called the Dicks of Congress, you know? Yeah, Dicks on a Hill or yeah, something. Shocking Dicks. Of course, Anthony Weiner, you remember back in 2011? Like 11 or 12. I was actually um, uh, in Washington, D.C. the day that Weiner resigned. I was oh, outside of his office. That was a circus, wasn't and it? And there was just media camped out, just, you know. Which Pope's. was actually, yeah, it was 2011 because it was the day after the Bruins won the Cup. Okay, so June, June, of, t- June of, 2011. of 2011. And, you know, they were hoping to get a picture of him. It's like, you don't need to get one, man. It's online. He bared it all, it's all on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. You know, he sent pictures Excellent. to... Uh, ah, he was great. Excellent. I miss, oh, I know. I keep, miss that guy. Keep guys like that in yeah. Congress. No? Yeah, it shows how human he was. Hell? You know, yeah, he's representing his constituency. He was in good shape, too. He wasn't a flabby 80-year-old white guy. No, yeah. You yeah. Look you know? he looked yeah. good. Yeah, he was very, in good very shape. Tone. All the, a Jewish all guy. The
2: tra- remember when all the transcripts came out? Did you guys yeah. read the transcripts? Oh, yeah. They were he the, like, he pages was, like, chatting long. with uh,
1: that porn star, Ginger uh, Lee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's great. Sydney Sydney Leathers was, Wasn't there a tranny intrigue, too? Or she was, like, a
2: dominatrix? I don't remember. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, oh god, those man. are good. Those these are members of Congress. This makes Congress <laughs> interesting, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I
1: think Aaron Shark should rescind his resignation. And, and that's what we need. Yeah, yeah. A, 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 Whether it be a storm. political yeah.
2: reality show that follows. Just, like, that's like, yeah. a Kardashian style, but it just follows <laughs> the, uh, the congressional baths. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I went to Congress. I got corrupt. Well, what well the fuck merge. are you going to do about
2: it? Politics and entertainment. Like it's it's well, we're, we're I even, mean, it, it,
1: well, the, the example of Aaron Schock having a big Instagram and being like a celebrity type politician. Yeah. It's kind of already like that, though. And a personality like this just wholeheartedly embraced it and just figured, "Oh, yeah, get, that's I can the get thing. away we, with it."
2: We pretend it's not. We yeah, pretend there's more dignity to it than oh, it really is. So let's please. just
1: let's just jump in head first. Mm. I mean, there's stories of you know Ted Kennedy doing coke in oh, his office yeah. and up in the Capitol. Hell yeah! You know they probably were, uh doing the rat tails with the towels and spanking each other's butts <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the Turkish baths. Yeah, well, they're not? probably hazing all the pages. And, and you know, They have an animal house up why there. Why Shock had to take taxpayer money. Members of Congress, even at a freshman, you get paid like $160,000. Well, he was making all kinds of money doing real estate transactions yeah, but with even, some of his donors. Even if he had no other source of income and you're a single guy, presumably gay, or you have girlfriends, I don't know, it doesn't even really matter what sexuality is. Uh, Washington, D.C. is run by gays and they do a great job. They do. They look well, they dress well, and they do a great job. Absolutely. But, um, you know, if you're making $160,000 a year, you do a two-year two, two year term in Congress, that's a lot of ching, dude. You know? Maybe you shack up in a row house with another... Wherever another, where some of know. these guys sleep in their offices on air mats, I knew of members of Congress that did that to save money. So you mean to tell me he doesn't have any extra money, like, to pay for this shit out of his own pocket? I mean, dude, that's like 30... What's that? 3300 a week... You're looking at over 12 grand a month you're bringing in to be yeah, a congressman. But
2: those, 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 that style, you know, those rugs well, probably cost short. fucking oh, yeah. ridiculous Living amount yeah. of money. All the money Blind. I've made yeah. in the last
1: 10 years of my life.
2: Now, when, one, when you were, one we, embroidered pillow, you know, probably yeah. cost thirteen fucking Silk. grand.
1: Well, if it's going to be Downtown Abbey, it's going to, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. going to be plus uh, the butler yeah, yeah. probably cost a lot too. Yeah. Six hundred dollar doilies, Like <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking doily. Well, he had yeah. to have masterpiece murder dinner theater. He probably had those, right? Yeah. What that, out of all shows Downtown Abbey? I think yeah. if he if he picked, you know, maybe like Empire or Walking Dead or or like fucking Game of Thrones, yeah, it sells, it could still be cards. in there. Yeah, he he maybe like, like maybe a Rocky headpiece, maybe. You know. Next year he can be, you know, Frank Underwood's chief of staff or something. Yeah, he could get a spot on House of Cards. He can be a consultant. Take over for Remy. He can be a consultant for House of Cards. now. Yeah, now that Remy retired and is out of the game. Oh, oh that's good stuff, man. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. It'd be funny
2: if you, like, just mentioned it, like, as a side, like, one night, like, when he was in bed with his wife, and then she started buying all this stuff, and then, like, he wasn't fully committed, so he just had to, like, start doing it.
0: <laughs> right.
2: His wife is just buying all this shit. Right. He had to go all in. He had to go all in. <laughs>
1: That's well, that gravy close. train's up for him. Yeah, he'll be fine, though, man. I mean, when you were down there, Eric, what, what, what kind of, do you have any stories of any kind of uh, uh, decadence you observed? Or I mean, you, you talked to one of the members of Congress, uh, uh, Jan, what was her name? Schakowsky. Jan Schakowsky about one of her scandals yeah. that involved maybe blackmail or, or misappropriation Tur- of funds. The Turkish lobby. And the Turkish lobby. What was, the, what was some of the info on well, that? Well, wasn't it some of what Sibella Edmonds dug up when she was an FBI translator saying that uh, perhaps Jan Schakowsky was on the take? from the Turkish lobby. Or she, being blackmailed or she was being blackmailed because of her sexuality. Because of having sexual trysts with Turkish women. I mean, I don't know if it's true, man. It's just speculation. But I don't know. I got excited, so I was down in uh, the Cannon House building, uh, just putzing around, being a political nerd, you know, seeing who I could see. And I saw Jan Chikowski, so I called you, Mike, and I said, you know, give me something on her, like a fact or a question I can ask her. And you dug that up quickly for me. So I went up to her. I said, hi, congresswoman. Um... My name is Eric. Uh, I work down here. I just wanted to ask you a question. And she said, absolutely. She was all really nice and smiley. And then I laid it on her. I said, the allegations of uh, Sabelle Edmonds dug up about impropriety with uh, your relations with the Turkish lobby. I mean, could you comment on that? <laughs> and she let go of my hand and went cold and said, looked at me, looked at her aide, looked at me, could not believe I asked her that question. And said, uh, no, I, no, I don't comment on that. And just brushed me off and like just booked it. jogged. Like did a jog. In the yeah, other
2: direction. Got into a helicopter and flew yeah. off over it, the horizon. Well, you know, the thing
1: is, man, even if even if it's not true, I mean, misdeeds, these people think they're above the law. I well, they think ha- they're going to... Ha- look at Jesse Jackson Jr. Who was the congressman that had the money in his freezer, literally? Uh, oh, Jefferson? Clinton. What, Jefferson Clinton or uh, something? No, Congressman Jefferson, I think it yeah. was. He li- in his freezer, he literally had a big bundle of cash. Like 90 grand or something? Something like that in his freezer. Oh, man, that's Den- old you school. Got, you got stories of Denny Hastert receiving big briefcases full of cash in the middle yeah. of the night at his place. Uh, a cool story, though, that happened when I was down there a couple of years ago on Capitol Hill, you know, right there near Congress. I actually ran into Congressman uh, John Lewis, you know, who was a Selma. legendary and story civil rights, civil rights activist. And he was talking to a group of students about being beaten and bloodied um, during, you know... Uh, marches that took place back in the '60s, and uh, you know these kids were crying watching him, and I got to meet him and shake his hand, and he, he autographed a uh, copy of my Constitution, pocket Constitution, which I had already had Ron Paul sign of earlier course. that day, and uh, that was cool. So you can run into people like John Lewis and, and oh, just fun. chat with them. And, and anyone who's into politics or anything like that, you know, even if you're a novice, it's a good time. Exactly. So go to Washington, people. Check it out. Uh, scrape up some of the sleeves, rub yourself in it maybe run for office (laughs) politics aside uh... we have an interview tonight we're going to be speaking with the former lead singer of the popular eighties band when in rome they had a big hit with the song the promise and clive farrington was the lead singer He's going on a solo tour starting in may of the united states Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm trying to get him out here uh, to new hampshire to do a show with my band northern stone So we'll keep you posted on that. That's a possibility. We're going to talk to Clive about his recent solo album, his upcoming tour, the song The Promise, and the story behind that, and some of the movies it's appeared in, and any kind of anecdote he wants to share with us. And that's coming up next on Jackman Radio. all right and welcome back to jackman radio i'm your host mike jackman and i am eric jackman and we are joined now by clive farrington coming to us from california clive can you hear me
3: i can hear you i can't tell you the difference in your voice you've got exactly the same voices
1: well we look alike on the phone <laughs>
3: you look exactly the same on the phone
1: exactly how you doing today clive <laughs>
3: new weather at the moment i'm just in the stu- i've got a little home set up in the, uh, uh studio set up at home and uh i just stepped outside because the phone reception is not too good inside so i'm just
1: outside enjoying the palm trees and that's done oh that's beautiful what's the current temperature where you are it's about uh, well,
3: it's a bit it's low for, for, for california but it's, it's still in the
1: 70s oh man i gotta tell you we're up here in the frozen tundra it was what 25 degrees today eric it's cold
3: Wow! Wow. I just went to Detroit um, a month or so ago to watch Sergio Simpson, and uh, it was uh, about
1: two foot, three foot of snow over there. Oh wow! Oh, and I hear some alarms going off in the back. Not something we get much of up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always going off around here, mate. So, um, I want to just, you know, for our listening audience, uh, Clive Farrington uh, was in a band back in the '80s called When in Rome. Um, and you guys had a huge mega-hit with The Promise. Uh, do you want to maybe tell our, our listeners a little bit about the history you went in Rome and, and how the band came to be and, you know, what your process was? Yeah, um, well, I was in a band called Bell Ledger.
3: I've, I've been in bands since I left school. I've been in so many different bands, and then I finally got into a band called Bell Ledger, and we thought we were, we're going to beat the world, and we were new romantic, and we, uh, we were about the same time as Spandau Ballet and Duran Duran. Oh, yeah. And uh, we, were, we were the kind of South Manchester version of Duran Randall's stand up ballet. And uh, again, unfortunately, it, um, it, I mean, the songs were great. I enjoyed being in the band and uh, everything about the band was, was looking great. But unfortunately, we didn't secure a record deal and I got a little bit frustrated. Um, and so we, we um, in fact, I asked Mike, or Mike Forel, who, who um, became the keyboard player with Running Room, I asked him to join. A uh, and, and when the band split up he stayed with me and we formed When In Rome together. Uh, that would have been about 83, okay. 84. Um, and uh, and we, were we had a little studio at the back of my parents' house in, in this garden shed. Um, uh, it was so small was the, the, the room that we had to have the keyboard stuck to the walls. You know, there was, there was nothing on the floor. They were kind of on, on this what's known as Dexian Rack mounting. Um, just to save space. So we wrote all of our demos and, and, and uh, recorded all of, of our demos in that In that, shed. Now, the, to this day, the, the, the way that I write songs, I, I get woken up by melodies and stuff like that, and that was exactly the thing it was with The Promise. I got woken up with this piano line in my head. Um, came to uh, get game in the studio in the morning and uh, I um, relayed the melody to my keyboard player. He played it. Um, then put some chords down and uh, the, the song, the lyrics came straight away but it was just unbelievable the way it in fact it's it probably the easiest song that, that I've ever written and it just came very, very quickly. Um, I, uh, I just sang the words as, as they are, you know, the, the, the final recording has the exact words that I sang straight off. Um, yeah. So the first verse, Melody, um, was recorded directly onto a 16-track, well it was a 16-track mixer for a, Of course we were really excited about it um, and of course it went ahead and nobody knew it was going to be the success it was going to be it became a massive success and then I never heard from the keyboard player again and I'm still in Manchester up to 2010 and then I find out that RS keyboard players uh, unfortunately trademarked the name and formed another band so it kind of it made, made it a little bit of a struggle um, to coming back so I didn't come back here um, until 2011, although the, the, the song was a success again in 2004, it took me till 2011 to come back again because obviously people were asking for the original voices. In fact, I came back in 2011, did a tour, uh, about a three-month tour out here. Um, I came back again in 2012, did a few shows. 2013, I did a few shows culminating in a, a, a big show in Mexico City at the 20,000 people at the Palacio uh, de los Portes.
1: Oh yeah. City. I, I, um, I've seen that footage. Of course, I, I don't know if you've
3: seen the, the video, but I I was joined on stage by Mexican artist
1: Alex Sintek, who's a very very big artist over there. Yeah, Clive. Um, I I, me I, for I don't mean to interrupt and, you, Clive, uh, but I I have seen that, and I got to tell you, that's that's one of the coolest, uh, most energy-driven and inspirational live videos I've ever seen. Man, that when you like when the, when that song rings out and then you start singing it, people just go nuts. It's madness, isn't it? it? It felt like there was twenty, and all of the twenty thousand people were singing along with it. And, oh. and of course, we're in Mexico City, and majority of people um,
3: speak Spanish, of course, and, and and they're all singing the song in in, in English. And it's uh, it's uh, it, it, it is. It's emotional. It's breathtaking. It's, it's just the most fabulous feeling in the world. And it's uh, a, a song that was written in a tiny little garden shed at my parents' house. It's it, it just it's just madness the way it was.
1: And it's still going to this day, Clive. I mean, every time I go out and there's a jukebox, I put on the Promise. Uh, the first, the, the first song. Yeah, you're, oh, you're welcome. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that song, and and I I, I got to check out more of your work. I, I'm you sent me your solo album, and, and I because of my uh, internet connection up here in the mountain, I haven't been able to download it yet. I apologize. Um, okay, no, not a problem. I, I
3: can send if you uh, send me your address later on, I'll send you a CD, and that might be it might
1: be quicker. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, and <laughs> and uh, um, but yeah, that, that that footage of you uh, in front of twenty thousand people. I mean, that that just you know that must have been just a you know. Uh, an amazing moment for you, and and uh, all these years later. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, when I do
3: shows, sometimes of course I, I like the, I, I like performing, I like doing stuff. It's I'm not into it for the totally for. Them. Of course, I like to be uh, financially sound and everything else but I, yeah. I, I, I'm not really into it for the money. I'm into it because I I, I enjoy it. I I um, I do small places as well, and the smaller places believe it or not, are not more nerve wracking than the bigger places. Because I thought. When we went to Mexico, and I, I heard that crowd, of course, because there was a, bit, a couple of bands on before us, um, I was kind of thinking, what do I do? And then you, you've got this big ramp going up to the back of the stage, and you and you the the stage, and all of a sudden, you, you're confronted by 20,000 people. And uh, it, it, it kind of, I, I don't know, it, it was it was different than playing in smaller places. I get very, very nervous when I'm playing in front of, like, 25, 30 people at parties and stuff like that. But uh, that was a different experience, because you, it's kind of, when you know that they're actually there to see you and they're, they're singing along with the song, and you feel you know quite comfortable with it. It's a really
1: nice feeling. Oh, absolutely, I, I agree. Uh, you know, speaking in front of a smaller crowd for me has always been harder because you can see, you can look in everyone's eyes, and you can really uh, yeah. feel them waiting for you to stumble or, or make a mistake, or um, you know, yeah. you can you can, <laughs> you can gauge their reactions a lot better as opposed to a, a sea of thousands of people. And,
3: uh, yeah, absolutely. And, the, and, and doing this solo tour uh, is, uh, is 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 very much like that because I'm playing the smaller places, of course. Because it's like starting from scratch because right. um, because of this uh, the, the legal situation at I the moment. Mean, I, I can't use the name when in Rome, so I've got I've got to use the name Franklin So it's like starting from scratch, even though I sang the lead vocal for When in Rome, um, you, you know, it's, it, it, using my own name. If people only know the song generally people only know the song and they don't really know the name of the band. If you yeah. if you say well you know people go well, what?
1: and then you say the promise, they they like, Oh yeah, yeah, I know that you Or you, you um, hold a little bit of it to um, them. It's like it's like a John Fogarty situation for you, Clive, almost. Say like, again? It's almost like a John Fogarty type situation. Or Beach Boys. You know? Yeah, I
3: thought somebody was telling me about that. He, he recorded the solo album and then got sued by the band for sounding <laughs> like
1: the. Like he sounded too much like himself. And uh, <laughs> earlier, Clive, you mentioned the artist Sturgill Simpson. Um, his take on the promise yeah. I, I really like, and he's kind of blown up in the last year. Um, have you had any kind of interactions yeah. with him, or what, what was um? You know, obviously he had to secure the uh, the rights to you know record the song and everything. Um, have you been, talked to him at all, or on his success? Oh, yeah,
3: I, I, I went to Detroit. It was, it was really funny. I, I went to Detroit to see him, uh, and we got backstage yeah, access passes and everything else. So we went into the uh, green room and there's nobody there there was with my girlfriend and we walked into the green room and there's nobody in the green room there's ice bucket with beard and, and, and food and stuff like that untouched <laughs> and we're, we're in the green room thinking where is he where, where, where's the so we're in there for about five or ten minutes and then his manager comes through and, and says hey yeah I the first time I've met his manager and uh yeah, you must be blah blah. I introduced myself to him and everything he come and see come and, come with me let's go and see I will do you
1: Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's like uh, uh, Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne recently with the artist Sam Smith. Um, his song "Stay with yeah. Me" had a very similar uh, melody to "I Won't Back Down" by Tom Petty, uh, which I, I, I personally think was wasn't done consciously um, because I mean, wow. how many you know? There's only so many beats and so many. Uh, chords and variations you can use until it starts to sound like something else but no that's really cool and and I was really impressed that Sturgill Simpson recorded this album for four thousand dollars and now here he is Unbelievable and you know what I took the plunge as well it's pretty
3: much what I'm doing with the solo tour he booked or his management booked a load of shows so I mean if you look at his tour schedule he's everywhere he's like he has about two days off in a month uh, he's just going through the whole of America
1: That's that's great. Well, you know, I am I'm very excited to hear that you're going on the road, Clive, and I hope we can uh you know, connect with you guys up here in New Hampshire and, and put together a show with my band or do a solo show absolutely. and no, I would look yeah, you know that that's gonna happen. We're gonna make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what uh what states are you really looking forward to hitting on the No Promises tour? Oh, that's yeah. That's awesome. That's going to be great. You know, it's amazing where music can take you. You know, I mean, we're we're having a conversation here tonight because of music. You know, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, can you imagine? You are living back home in, in
3: Manchester, and you get a phone call and they say your record's going mad in America. Everybody.
1: Clive, when, uh, when the song blew up and was very popular and being played everywhere, I mean, you obviously um, were exposed to uh, some other people who were well-known in the industry and maybe in the entertainment world. Is there any instance of a real epic party that you can remember that just stands out in your mind, that just oh, just blew your the mind? The was parties were always the best parties, but I was, I was very bit, I, I,
3: I, I, I used to, um, my girlfriend, Mitch Clark, who was president of EMI, she was, um, International President of EMI Records, based yeah. in London. And uh, I used to meet people through her, of course. She looked after, uh, in fact, she looked after all the, be- you know, the remnants of the Beatles, and she looked after Pink Floyd, she looked after the Pet Shop Boys, she oh. looked after Tina Turner, she looked after uh, Dusty Springfield. Um, so, I went I, the Clouded House, uh, you, you me, I, and all of those I, I went to see with her. And uh, not my the best memory that I've got is um, having dinner with um, the Pet Shop Boys in Rome
1: when in Rome
3: we went to a club after having dinner and they played of course when when the Pet Shop Boys walk into a club it's was like when we walk into
1: Well, that must have been a fun night, man. Just the, the partying and yeah. the scene yeah. and- Airport. Oh man, that's crazy. That's <laughs> you are gotta kind of scrambling to try and find a replacement, you know? Say again. You scrambling to try and find a replacement violin. Oh yeah, yeah. You I know, if you lose something do. like that. <laughs> so uh so this uh this tour you're doing, are you is it gonna be a small uh, group of musicians? I mean is it just you and a, another musician or what are you how's it kinda I've, I've got Danny Bean from Danny Dean in the home record and it
3: used to be in a band called Anti back in the day. Uh, with my Ness, Social Destruction, he's uh, my guitarist. I've got Norman Antonini, who's Belinda Carlisle's drummer. Oh, wow. I've got Pancho Burgos, who is Naked Eyes, uh, MD, or what, what used to be, I, he's now my MD. Uh, so that's Pancho Burgos on um, keyboards, and he looks after all the music and stuff. Uh,
1: Norman Antonini and uh, Danny the Dean. So you got a you got a good team assembled for for this uh, for this. Yeah, uh, sounds great as well. We're rehearsing tonight. We're actually um, rehearsing later on
3: this evening, so uh, yeah, we're getting all the rehearsals in now. I know, I know the tour's a long way off, but I like to have it well prepared. And we've got a lot. we we're got some shows that we're doing later on uh, in casinos, and they needed to. Uh, they they requested a two-hour set, so. We'll looking at other the songs as well I thought I'd look at it, looking at a song today actually and look recording the song right now and it sounds very got a similar bass line to The Promise <laughs> and uh, but it, 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 it's in a
1: different key and I'm singing Everybody's Talking about the Nelson song? Oh yeah, Everybody's Talking
3: I lo- love Nelson and, and, and it sounds weird. it's like an electronic version of that so I'm going to be
1: adding that to the tour as well Oh that sounds cool I, I look forward to hearing that that's great Yeah yeah. You know, Nilsen, the, promise, but over the top of it. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, everybody wants to hear the promise obviously and you, you you're going to deliver of course, but I you know, you understand you have a you have a whole other catalog. I mean, uh, you know, of of independent yeah. of uh, you know, solo music and obviously there's other songs yeah. on the big When in Rome album, you know. Yeah. That you probably want to play. Yeah, I, with, um, I, I, I had a band called Pacific with John McGee from Public
3: Country Limited and Stevie the Guitarist. Um, Wow, and I've just I've just been listening to that stuff over the past couple of weeks, and uh, I've heard it for a long, long time. But it was it sounds it's very different to the Wedding Around stuff, and it's different to the Independence album. And it, 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 I've been very lucky because I've been able to do punk, I've been able to do rock, I've been able to do pop, um, all different genres of music, and I also like classical. So I'm, I'm very, very lucky in in having uh, an eclectic taste because. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not stuck in one uh, pigeonhole, if you like. I, I, I like all kinds of music and I enjoy playing all kinds of music. So I've been very lucky to play with all different artists. I've, I've, just, I did, uh, I've just done a track with Alex Sintek as well, with Steve Barkett from Oingo Boingo on guitar, Sam Phipps on sax from Oingo Boingo, and Dio Vestas from, well, on bass. Uh, and that's for a new album that's coming out sometime later this
1: year. Oh, cool! That was that was Danny Elfman's band, wasn't he in that band, Danny Elfman? It was, yes, it was, yes. Jack Skeleton <laughs> himself. I'm with with
3: all of them. We go we and watch them, and some some play sax with me as well. Some the sax player for want to go play sax with me on the Wedding Room
1: live shows. Oh, that's awesome! That's that's like every '80s fans' uh, uh, dream right there. Um, the last cool show. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the last cool yeah. show that I saw, I went to the Paradise Rock Club in Boston um, last August yeah. and I saw Echo and the Bunny Men, and it was just a phenomenal wow. show. Fantastic, fantastic. Did, have you ever met Ian yeah, McCulloch? Yeah, one of my favorite bands as well. So, and, and I've just been a, um, a song for a film. It's like the main theme for El
3: Americano, a uh, film that comes out. I think it comes out later this month. Um, with, with with Alex syntax called Glittering Heights, the main theme to El uh, Americano. So I'm very, very, uh,
1: I've uh, got my hands in everything. Well, that's great. Well, it sounds like you're busy, Clive. We're, we're very excited to hear that and, uh, you know, very happy to have you on. we gotta, we got to wrap this up here soon. Um, where can people go to check you out and look up tour dates and listen to your music? Well, it's very, very simple. I
3: just search Clive Harrington on Facebook or you uh, a very the internet. My uh, page is just simply uh, and you see all the updates for, for the tour and everything else. I've got some merchandise, some really cool merchandise. It's taken me a long, long time to put together because I'm very, very picky on what um, what goes on my stuff. So it's uh, uh, you know it's taken me a while to get it sorted, but it's now up and running today. It went up this morning, so. Uh, all you need to do is go, just do the search for Clive Farrington on Facebook, and you'll see
1: the merch. You get pointed to the merch site and everything else. All well, right, on. Uh, we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna put the links up, obviously, when we publish this interview, and uh, direct yeah. everyone to over to to CliveFarrington.com and to check you out on Facebook. And we really appreciate you coming on, Clive. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Eric, and thank you, Mike. Hey, no problem, Clive. Good luck with everything, man. And I uh, hope our pro- our paths will cross in the future. All right, you're welcome. Cheers. See you soon. We'll be playing on stage together soon. Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) Awesome, Clyde Farrington, everybody. this Aaron
2: this is St. Paul and the Broken Bones yeah, oh I've some, heard of these guys Somebody's broken yeah they're badass like, heard of, the um, guy's kind of like, big he's kind of big funk. like me
1: and Eric he wears glasses I've never seen him yeah he is take my I, I have seen these guys that you well now we're hearing you mention him. it so that was our exclusive interview with the lead singer of When in Rome Clive Farrington the real lead singer what a cool guy the original lead singer Nice guy to call in from California. Yeah, he was he was really cool. That was the first time I've ever Very spoken good. with him on the phone. And uh, thank you so much, Clive, for coming on our show. We appreciate it. And there's a possibility that my band Northern Stone will be doing a show with Clive Farrington in the near future. So Could be the balls, man. We'll keep everybody posting on that. You know, absolutely. The promise, man. I, I love that song. We're gonna. That's gonna be our closing song it's tonight. Like the... But I'm just trying to find the right words to say. Promise you, I know they don't sound the way I planned them to be. Promise you, but if you wait you around, I'll make, make you believe me. me. I promise, I, I promise, promise you, I won't uh, sing anymore. But cool, yeah, man. the promise, uh, you know, the end of the end credits in Napoleon Dynamite when they're playing oh, the tetherball, so the promise kicks in. It's just like you uh. want to eat some tater tots and just convert to uh, uh, LDS. Pretty Much cool, that's a cool movie though, too. Napoleon Dynamite, yeah, classic. That's, so, that's one cool thing about Facebook you can connect with somebody like Clive Farrington, true, just a humble, talented dude. And yeah, I've been uh, around for a while, too. Yeah, he's I talking love- about Spandau Ballet and Duran Duran, and those guys are his contemporaries. Boingo Boingo, lots of cool projects he's involved in. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a talented dude for sure. So, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing him in person. And uh, speaking of Facebook, I was just trolling it earlier, uh, you know, looking for ideas and uh, brilliance to share with the masses on the show tonight, and uh, came across a post from uh, Chris Coos, who's a uh, rap superstar from, uh, where is he, from Gardner? I think he's from the, the Lemonster-Fitchburg area. Lemonster-Fitchburg area. What? Really? Yeah, the greater yeah. Lemonster. The, the, yeah. the You've never heard of Chris Coos? No. What's the group? FAM? F A M. I don't know. I don't know. He's he's a, he's a good rapper. He is. He's, he's got, good. He's, he's a big God fan of here. the garbage pail kids too. Yeah. No, he's he's original, man. He keeps it real. Right. And uh, he just had a funny post about Delilah Radio, about leaving digital Delilah, roses. Delilah. Are you maybe sitting by yourself with a straight razor, a bottle of red, wondering if your soulmate's out there? Call me. I mean that Delilah Radio is for people who are like just cocking the chamber on that gun and putting it to their temple and they should pull the trigger i mean if you're going to call into that like you're at that point i mean where are you in your life when it's a good idea to call into delilah <laughs> and spill your guts i'm sure she's helped some people yeah i hope that she has i don't know why i wanted to bring that up but uh yeah why are you knocking delilah for i, don't know, you I, know? I got a good you laugh. can only dream you can only dream to have the success have that those she's ratings. had i know yeah you I know I have, you know, pulled out depressed whack jobs calling, telling you about their problems, their Springer problems. But uh, yeah, shout out Chris Coos, I told you I'd give you one, and uh, boom, check it out. Good Do- stuff. Fucking Donald Trump, is he going to run for president? He's running, uh, I'm forming an exploratory committee, I mean. He's ch- forming a fucking toupee. Yeah. Is what he's forming. Remember he was, he was running his suck back for the 2011 <sighs> cycle. He's gonna he's gonna make a little little uh, you know steak dinner come, trip to come, Iowa. He'll come to New Hampshire. He'll do eggs in New Hampshire. Right. And touch down run. for a half hour. It'll yeah. be a ratings ploy for the twentieth incarnation the of the upre- Celebrity Apprentice. Right. It's a bunch of bullshit. I'm actually doing it to promote. I'm buying a uh, rogue nation in Africa that has a large mine. It's gonna be Yidge. And then we're gonna have a scholarship for this. But uh, I wanted to talk about it in New Hampshire. What you find, folks, it's Yidge. It's all about getting this mug. Donald Trump. His twisted mug. Because you have a lot of money. You think you could be president. You know, you're going to buy the White House. I mean, the Koch brothers could try and buy the White House. He couldn't even manage a hotel. It makes him think he could manage the White House. Yeah, that's true. So Donald Trump, yay or nay, I say nay. I hope he comes up here. Maybe we can get him to come on the show. That'd be cool. We are going to be trying to get... All the presidential candidates to come and yeah. have a beer. Well, there's going to be a ton of... And Re- have a chat. ton of Republicans. you got Scott Walker, Chris Christie, Jed Bush. Rand Paul. Rand Paul, who I think is going to announce on April 6th, I heard today. Yeah, that's going to be word an announcement. on the street. Word on the street, Rand Paul. All in, 2016. Lukewarm to Rand Paul. Yeah. I'm not really. I'm not, I'm not really sold on him, man. I mean, in the last 10... Let's see, what's just 2015? The last 11 years, I've voted Democrat... I've voted Republican. I've voted Libertarian, Green Party. Um, I consider myself an independent. There's not, There's never going to be a candidate you're going to agree with 100%. So I go with you know, who I think is the most legit and honest and aligns yeah. up with most of my views. Sure. And someone I've met at least a half dozen times. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely flirting with Jim Webb. I mean, the uh, former senator from Virginia and uh, Secretary of the Navy under Ronald Reagan. Um, he's, a, he's just a badass dude. Says it how it is. Um, Vietnam veteran won the navy cross, you know, was a reporter, you know, just huge hanging sack, just a really cool guy. So, um, not not afraid to not afraid to be off the uh, off the teleprompter and off the cuff. Yeah, off the cuff and real with people. I mean, he made no there was no bones made about it. He wasn't supposed to win that election in 2006 against George Makaka Allen. That was a major uh, upset for a Senate race. Huge. I mean, yeah. George Allen was was being talked about as a front runner in 08 to run for fucking president. He's just another Santorum. Yeah, he's a windbag. He's another Rick Santorum. I hope Jim Webb runs. I do too. I hope too. he runs. I think he, you know, we could probably get him to come and, yeah. do it. You know, his handlers aren't going to try and uh, keep him away from uh, doing an interview with us. Yeah, <laughs> fucking Hillary. It's not all but decided yet, Hillary. You haven't locked it up yet. You got to come here. You got to hit the ground. She's got to get through Bernie Sanders. Oh, yeah? Bernie, I, I yeah. might actually run, you know? Oh. I don't really want to run. I'd rather just stay in Vermont and do weird communist things. <laughs> but I might have to run to save this nation from all the, <laughs> the, the robber barons out there from, on Wall Street. From the cock ring brothers. Cock brothers. I, I want Bernie Sanders. Big bad Sanders. Bernie. That'd Bernie. be great if he was up there just taking Hillary to task. Like, you had Hillary in the middle. You got Bernie Sanders on the right. Well, he'd be on the left. And then Jim Webb on the right. <laughs> just, like, hammering away at her, you know? Yeah, means it okay. would make for an interesting primary. Yeah, it is going to be interesting, and they are all going to be here in New Hampshire. So, before we close, uh, i like to do movie reviews. And a movie that we both watched recently that definitely stuck with us was Foxcatcher. Oh, yeah. Which was based on the true story of uh, one of the DuPont heirs. What was his name? John? John DuPont. John DuPont. John E. DuPont. um, His middle name was like a pharaoh. But when he changes to eagle. He legally changed it to Eagle. I don't know if it was legal, but when he had his like trophies and he wanted to make mommy proud, he referred to himself as John Eagle DuPont. So this eccentric billionaire with this ridiculous estate decides to host the Olympic USA men's wrestling, wrestling team, team and sponsor them right. and takes a real liking to these, these two bro- to these two brothers who won the gold in... It, it, in I believe the 84 Olympics. They okay. won gold. They won gold brothers. in 84. What was their name again? Schwartz. The Schwartz brothers? Was it Schwartz? Oswald could look that up. But Channing Tatum and uh, Mark Ruffalo did, I thought, did a tremendous job uh, portraying the brothers, the likeness of them, um, you know, their desire to win, and then their their relationship with this Dupont guy. Oh, and uh, I'm going to give huge props to Steve Carell Steve, for this. This Steve I mean, Carell I was lights out. I forgot I was looking at Steve Carell for two hours. He that guy did his homework, man, on John Dupont. I mean, he had his mannerisms down. His nose, his nose. Wow, well, that's the props and. Makeup department. It was the Schultz brothers. Oh, what did I say? Schultz. Schwartz. Schultz. Uh, Close. What are their
2: names? Mark? Mark and Dave.
1: Mark and Dave Schultz. Right. And um, so it was called Foxcatcher Ranch, where this was. And What um, state was that in again? Was that in like the sure it was in or Pennsylvania. Or was it in Pennsylvania? I think so. So. And uh, yeah, this guy just had ass loads of money and built a to scale Olympic wrestling gym on Foxcatcher Ranch. I want to bring Prestige. Back to America. Have you heard of the DuPont family? Yeah, he's like, have you heard of the DuPont dynasty? Watch this video. Janet Channing Tatum's looking at him like, who, is, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and what, am, what am I doing in this big mansion out in the middle of the woods with all these people? In my underwear. Basically. The older brother was definitely reluctant to go and sign up for that, wasn't he? Yeah, it? Mark Ruffalo's character. Well, he yeah. had a family. He had a thing going. He was he had a wife to and his young kids. Yeah, a wife and kids. Right. And, um... Oh, man, but what a movie. It was, uh, it was pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a slow burn. It wasn't, um, you know, it was more of a character study and, 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 and the unraveling of this story, which tragically ended in... Um, Spoilers. Uh, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> alert. This happened in 1996. Spoiler, spoiler alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Tragically ended in the shooting of yeah. the Elder Schultz brother. Yeah, Mark uh, Ruffalo's character. Which was really hard to watch. That, that part, yeah. for me, was really... I mean, in, in my mind, when that scene happened, when he just kind of had his, his Hastings fetch him the car... And he drove down slowly, did like a three point turn, comes back to him, rolls the window down and looks at him for a second awkwardly and just says, do you have a problem with me? And then plugs him. Yeah. Shoots shot him, him like two or three, three times. Three times. Yeah. And then, then he held up right in, in one of, like his underground tunnels or in his yeah, house and bunkers then. bunkers for like two days and then he went out to fiddle with the power and they took him down. That's when they got him. But I mean, this he guy. He was like a track suit, right? When they, yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy, uh, John DuPont, man, he was worth like 200 million, 200 million. All that oh. money, man, can't fix crazy. But that's that's the, that's what I was going to say. The moral of this whole story, you can have all this money but you know th- th- it can't it doesn't really bring you true happiness because you, you can collect a men's olympic wrestling yeah, team yeah. and you you still are not happy. Yeah, keep
2: a lot of sadness at bay though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You
2: know, people say you can't buy happiness, but, but I mean you do, can prevent like, you a watch lot of sadness, movie, man.
1: Like John dude, that guy had no friends. Like no one wanted yeah. to be that. Well, guy's he he friend. paid for some some fifty fifty year old plus you know men's wrestling league. And yeah. He paid for it. Yeah, so he when he won the matches, yeah. he did. Did he really win them? He brought the guy off after the side mic and he gave him the money. He gave him a big pocket envelope full of cash. Yeah. So I I thought it was a great movie. I don't know, but yeah, props to Steve Carell, man. Again, yeah. I mean the guy who's always known for comedy in The Office. Um, I mean, Dan in real life, another great kind of dramatic role for Steve Carell. But this one, man, this, he freaking knocked it out of the yeah, park. Yeah, he's made the transition to a pretty serious... And he was nominated for a uh, Oscar for this film. Should have won. Uh, they gave it they to... They gave it to freaking Stephen Hawkins. Stephen Hawkins, uh, uh, celebrity uh, impersonator. <laughs> I I was all in for Michael Keaton and Birdman myself. Yeah. Well, Steve Carell should have won it, but... Uh, he'll undoubtedly have many more good roles coming because of this movie Uh, Channing Tatum was great too and obviously uh, Mark Ruffalo, phenomenal Oh, I love Mark Mark Ruffalo Mark Ruffalo's a cool guy great actor, great actor, cool guy so that is another installment of Jackman Radio we hope you've enjoyed thank you for joining us we're going to end tonight's episode with the hit song from When in Rome The Promise enjoy
0: Too bad.